Okay, folks. Maybe you came this morning and you said, I don't have anything to pray about. You got something to pray about, don't you? And the thing about it is, you do need to know how to pray. I just don't let you know this. Now, what I'm going to talk to you today is not about praying for somebody who's sick. I didn't plan on that, obviously. But I'm going to tell you some things about how you can pray in faith. So when I tell you a story that has happened to me, I don't want you to think that I'm somebody special. I want you to know that I'm just like everybody else. And I'm going to give an example of somebody in the Bible that was just like you as well. In, I think it was in January, in fact I know it was in January of 1982, I got a call from a church in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I still had one semester left and I had a summer left in, in seminary. And they said to me, we want to know if you could come this summer and be our summer intern. And we think that it might work into a full-time ministry position. And I said, okay, let me try that. Let me, let me pray about that. That's what I did. I prayed about it. And as I prayed about it, I realized, and, I, and I, you don't just pray about something. You know you check things out. Do you understand? It's not one of those things that you go out here and you're going to say, well, I don't need to use my common sense. I don't need to use my brains in this process. But what happened was is that I began to pray. I mean, I began to look at things. For example, I found out I only had six uh, credit hours left in seminary after when the summer started. They were all electives. I found out if I took approved courses, even at the University of Tennessee, because this was in Knoxville, then I could still get my seminary degree and I could, you know, I could do that uh, as I was working there. And, I, and so I prayed about it. My wife and I both prayed about it. And we both got a definite answer that we were going to go there. And then they called me a couple of days later and said, we chose somebody else. Okay, you understand what happens here. So I said, did I miss it? I mean, every time something like this happens, I say, did, did I miss you, Lord? Did I, did I just want to do this so badly that I, I, I ignored what you were saying to me and I, I did it on my own? And the answer was is that, no, you're going to go to and be on that staff. So I continued to pray about it. My wife continued to pray about it. And I realized there's no position at that church and they already got somebody else even just for the summer intern. In May which is at the end of that semester in seminary, Karen and I felt so strongly about this, we bought plane tickets and flew to Knoxville so we could see the church that we knew that God was going to call us to. It was really it's a true story, what happened here. And while we were there, God just continued to confirm, not because I heard this, you know, this audible voice. I didn't hear an audible voice from God. But just knew that this was the, the peace of God was on me and knew this was what was going to happen. So, what happened was, is that in about July of that year, I told the guys, I was driving a a city bus at that time while I was going through seminary, and I told the guys that I was carpooling with, I said, you know, I'm going to be going to this church in Knoxville, Tennessee. They said, what position? I said, I don't know. They said, well, when did they call you? I said, they haven't yet. True story. They didn't let me drive in that carpool again. But anyway, I went to my Sunday school class. Now, I didn't teach the Sunday school class. I was in a Sunday school class with all seminary students. I said, I'm going to this church in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
They said the exact same questions. They said, what position? I said, I don't know. And they said, when did they call you? And then I, uh, I said, they haven't called me yet. And then they all got on the other side of the room, you know, so they could see me. But regardless of that, in September... They decided that they were going to have a, well, they didn't decide this. This is the problem that they had. They decided that they wanted to interview me to be their minister of education and evangelism. And so they told me, this never, never, never happens. They told me they were going to interview two other people. And they told me the names of those people. That never happens. Never happened since then. And I know who both of those people were. And guess what? I knew they were better than me. And I said, and I'm not joking, this is arrogance. I said, God, why do you want to waste those other two guys' time when you're going to call me anyway? True story. And so those two other guys dropped out. Then in, in, that, in that September, they, I flew into Knoxville. They interviewed me for like 10 hours. I remember what it was. And then they didn't even bring it to the church business meeting. Now, they had monthly business meetings. They didn't bring it in September. They didn't bring it in October. And finally, they brought it in November. But they did what a church shouldn't do. They decided to call the position and call the person at the same time. You understand? The church has not approved the position yet. So they, they were calling me for a position that they didn't actually have. But they're doing it both at the same time. And so the vote was only 75% for, because a lot of people didn't think they needed that other position. You understand? This is what they told me. I wasn't there for that. And so I was going to tell them, no, I won't go. Now, this is when God did speak to me. He said, you mean to tell me that I can tell you for 10 months you're going to go to this, and there's other people that are going to tell you no, and you're going to believe them and not me? You see, I was seeing giants in the land. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? There were giants in the land. So I said, no, Lord, I'll do what you tell me to. And I'm going to do that. Now, I know that a lot of people, that when they pray, they pray without any expectation at all. They don't expect God to do anything. They just pray. They said, I prayed for you, but that's, it's a dead end street. They don't expect anything. And then there's some other people that what they do is, is that whatever happens, they draw a bullseye around it and say, that's what I was praying for. That's what I wanted God to do. And they do that sort of thing. And I know that there are some people that pray so diligently, they think that simply because they have prayed fervently and diligently, God's going to give them what they want. But I want you to hear what I'm saying to you today. You can pray and know you're going to receive what God is giving you. You can know that. And I'm not going to tell you all the time that's going to be true, but a prayer of faith is exactly that. Would you like to learn how to pray like that? I hope you would. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. That's doing that in advance. Do you understand? We know in advance. You see, in one of the commentators that I was reading, he said these words, and I thought they were incredible. As the abundant life is experienced inwardly as love, it is experienced outwardly as confidence. But I find that so few Christians have 
confidence, not just simply in their salvation, but there is a, the God who is walking with them and is talking to them. It says there's the, this is the confidence made toward him. You see, we do not stand before God thinking that we can do all things without him. Our confidence is in him and becomes a confidence toward him. And why is there confidence toward him? Because we pray according to his will. We pray according to his will. There is no confidence in simply, I want something to happen. There's no confidence in that. There's no confidence in simply asking. There's no confidence in fervently uh, praying. There's no confidence in that. You see, we have confidence when we ask according to his will. But we've got to know what that will is. Let's take the example of Elijah. James said that Elijah was a man of faith. James 5, 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Do you see what it says there? Elijah was a man with a what? A nature like who? Like ours. Just like us. Just like us. That means that we can pray in that exact same way as he he did. Not because we're special in some way, but because we are his. We belong to the Lord. So let's look further at that story of Elijah and see how he prayed like this. So Elijah has prayed for three and a half years and it will not rain. He goes to confront Ahab and the prophets of Baal. He, he challenges the prophets of Baal to light the altar to Baal. And he says that I'll go to my God and my God and we're going to see what happens there. So for the most part of the day, the prophets of Baal have tried to light that altar. Trying to get their Baal to light that altar. Nothing happens. They've cut themselves. They've, they've done everything. They're worn out as far as that goes. Then Elijah says, okay, now I'll do it. So he has the altar built. And before he will call for God to light it, he has water poured on it. So much water is poured on that wood that that wood is soaking wet. And if you've ever tried to light soaking wet wood, you know what I'm talking about here. And so at that time, what does he do? He prays right before this happens. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 36 says, Then at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice... Elijah the prophet approached and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. He did all of these things because God has already spoken to him about this. And so Elijah is being obedient. You see, have you ever wondered why Elijah continues to pray, though, after he already knows what God's will is? Have you ever wondered about that? Why not just say, okay, I'm going to stop praying now. I know what God's going to do. I'm not going to pray anymore. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you're praying, do not use, use or thoughtless repetition as the Gentiles do, do for they think... That they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Oh, wait a minute. 
A lot of people say, well, if he already knows what I need, why should I be praying? Well, here's what happens when we pray. We join God when we pray. We join him. You see, God wants us to do that. Because prayer is a form of fellowship with God. You want a fellowship with God? You pray according to what he wants. Now, I know that a lot of people will say, well, I'll just do that and tack that on to the end of my prayers all the time. That's not what happened with Elijah. Our prayers are agreeing with him on what he wants to do. And so what I would say to you, when something comes up, whatever it might be, something that is going to cross any anxiety in your life, pray without reservation. And now, you don't want to pray something you already know isn't God's will. I understand that. But when there's an apparent need... You pray without reservation. And you pray what is on your heart. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, we are, the key word here, I think, is in thanksgiving. We thank him, and when we're praying like this, for his love. We thank him for his presence. We thank him for his omniscience. We thank him for his omnipotence. And you know, and we thank him because we know that whatever we're bringing to God, he's going to give us that very best. Not something that's just better. He's going to give that very best. But when we pray, we need to take a a step back and say, we need to pray and listen. Listen to what he says. I know that a lot of people say, well, when you talk to God, it's prayer. But when, when God talks to you, it's schizophrenia. That's not true. That's just not true. You see, what happens is you claim that you have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet you will tell me that you never heard from him. I mean, what other close friend do you have? You call that person a close friend and you say they never contact me. What if I started telling you that I'm close friends with Taylor Swift? Now, she's never called me. She's never spoken to me. She doesn't know my name. She doesn't know who I am. I'm not close friends, am I? I'm not friends at all. You realize this is what a lot of people are saying. And what I'm saying is, is if you've got a close friend, they talk to you. And so what I'm saying here is, is that you listen. You listen to what God is saying. Now, God's not going to say, okay, I'm going to do this. It's against my will, but I'm going to do it. That's not going to happen. But he's, but he's going to speak to us. And we listen. And in that process, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. We need to be careful that it is the Lord that we're seeking. We're not seeking to flip the coins or to see what happens if the clouds come together or whatever the things that people do in order to say, Lord, if it's your will, then do such and such. Leviticus 19.31 says, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You come to me, not any form of magic, not any form of chance that is there. So you seek the Lord. Now, when I was in Brentwood, I already knew that God was going to call me to be a pastor. But I was still there at Brentwood. I was a singles minister at the time. And what happened was, is that I, we got a new pastor, new pastor came in. And at first, now I love this man like you won't believe now. But at the, when he first came, I didn't get along with him. Just telling you the truth, I didn't get along with him. 
And so I go to my office and I said, I don't know how long that I can serve this way in this, in this capacity. I got down on my knees and I prayed, Lord, you let me know what you want to do. If my phone rings right now and there's some place you want me to go, I will go and do whatever you want me to do. I got off my knees and my phone rang. I'm not joking about this. And I picked up the phone, and it was a pastor in Georgia who wanted me to come down and be a singles minister. Now, what was the problem with that? God has already told me what he's going to do. You know, he already said, you know, it's not circumstances, folks, that, you know, you always know the will of the Lord. And so I, I actually, I did interview with him. I mean, when he came up and interviewed me, I didn't ever go down to Georgia. But the deal about it was is that he wanted to. And I said, no, I know this isn't the Lord's will. And I told him, the only reason I interviewed with you is because I just got up off my knees and the phone rang, just like I said. And I said, so I interviewed with you, but I was not looking for some kind of chance that was out there to reveal the Lord's will. So seek the Lord while he can be found. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You see, you've heard me say this. You may be far away from the Lord, but he's never far away from you. Realize that. You can be a long ways from the Lord, but he's never very far from you. But when you know that he is near, you seek the Lord. And you know that he is near when you are walking along with him. And so you are having obedience as you walk along with him. If you want to hear what he's got to say, don't think, I can go against you, Lord, and I'm going to hear you speak. That's not going to happen. The only thing he's going to ever say to you is come back. That's the only thing you're going to hear going that direction. You're going to hear what you're, uh, you're praying about. You're going to hear him say, come on back. But what happens is, is that when we are in disobedience, we will lose that intimate relationship with the Lord. We cannot hear him anymore. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm saying that you lose the ability to hear him. That's all I'm saying in this. And so we have faith on his terms and not on ours. You see, we can be close to him, or or, we will not be close to him, and we'll not find him in this circumstance. Now, if you remember the story of Samuel, in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. They weren't hearing God. They weren't hearing God. Why? Well, one, the people were not walking with the Lord. Eli and his boys, the, the priest of the time, it says they were not walking with the Lord. And because they were not walking with the Lord, there were no words that were coming from the Lord. Remember the story of Saul. Samuel is dead. The Philistines are gathering against Israel and, and, and Saul trembles and he needs a word from the Lord. And what happens? Where is he? He's way away from the Lord. And it says in 1 Samuel 28, 6, it says, So Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him, either in dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. See, Saul had disobeyed the Lord, and he was not walking with the Lord, and he was not hearing from the Lord either. You say, well, why don't I hear from the Lord? Take a, take a gander at walking closer and closer to him and see what happens there. For we should not expect that we will hear from the Lord if we're not walking with the Lord. Seek the Lord with your whole heart and soul. 
Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. That means you're not holding anything back from the Lord. Now this is not formal, but it's not casual either, if you understand what I'm saying. It's more than simply saying that I seek him. While I was in Lubbock, I have to tell you that I spent more than one night praying all night. I'd go to the church. We had no security system back in the 80s. And it was a huge, huge church. I didn't turn the lights on. I would go to the sanctuary and I'd pray all night. It took me about three hours before I was in a position to hear from the Lord. You know why? I am so obstinate. I am so not listening. I am so demanding of God rather than listening and complying with God. It's sort of like exercising fat. You know what happens? You start exercising. You hadn't been exercising a long time. You start exercising. What happens? Muscle says to the fat, says, you know what? I need some of you. And you know what the fat says? He'll sit down. He'll sit down. Because he knows. And that's why, for example, you start exercising, you don't start losing weight right away. It takes a lot of time before the, before the fat cells start saying, okay, we better send it on up because he's going he's to keep exercising anyway. So here's what happens to me. When I am praying before the Lord, sometimes I'm so obstinate, I'm not listening to the Lord. And I don't hear from him. You see, the point is, is seeking the Lord with all your heart and your soul will take time out of your life. Prayer is not just asking for needs. Prayer is an act that should change us by our seeking the Lord. So we understand we seek him. And then God speaks through his word. It says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, God's word should be something more than something that just sets on our coffee tables. In fact, I think that a lot of Christians can't tell me where their Bibles are right now, specifically. They're on a shelf somewhere. They're somewhere else that they might be able to find it, but they don't know where it is. And so it is a lamp to my feet. That's what's right in front of me. And a light to my path as it goes along. See, many of you can tell the stories... Uh, can tell stories when the Word of God has led you. You know, I hope you share those stories in your discipleship classes. But one of mine is when I was praying to God, do you want me to be a senior pastor? There was a guy named John Ballard who was on the staff. at He was our associate pastor at First Baptist Lubbock. He was leading a devotional. He read these verses. It says, Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly if, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith. And it goes on and talks about the gifts. And I, that, I'm not talking about preaching as a gift. I'm not trying to tell you and that. And I don't even know if it's a talent. But what I do, is, do know is, is that if you've got something that God has put in you to do, you need to do it. And that's what I got out of this. And let me tell you how that happened. I didn't preach at all there. And when we lost our pastor, they decided to start rotating it around on the staff. We had a, quite a big staff. They didn't give me a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. They gave me a Wednesday night. But the deal about Wednesday night was is that we had a full-blown worship service on Wednesday night. And since we had bought a television station, you understand, we didn't buy television time. We bought a television station at that church. We had our own, cha- we had our own channel, Channel 40. College students called it Channel Over 40. But anyway, so the thing is, is that I was on TV doing that. And then around town, I would hear people saying, I really enjoyed what you had to say. And that happened for a long time because we had reruns too. 
You understand? And I realize that if I've got something that God wants me, that has put me in me, I need to use it. And I, those verses right there was what stood out to me. God speaks through his word. God speaks through circumstances. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, she's, and, I mean, he had her husband killed. And, and then finally, Nathan, the, uh, the prophet, comes to him. And David repents, but he, he tells him, Nathan says, the child to be born to Bathsheba is going to die. Or was born, to, already born. So David fasts and prays. I'm going to read the whole story here so you'll get it. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to help him up from the ground. But he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died. And David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he did not listen to us. How then shall we tell him that the child is dead? since he might do himself harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes and went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house and when he he asked, they served him food and he ate. And then the servant said to him, What is this thing that you've done? You fasted and you wept for the child when he was alive. But when the child died, you got up and ate food. And he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows? The Lord will be gracious to me. And the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I am going to him, but he will not return to me. The circumstances revealed what God was doing in this. Now, this was not in advance. This is something that happened afterwards. But David understood this is the word of the Lord. But he knew in advance that he, that child was going to die. Then God speaks through the godly people. I said this a week ago. Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a person who listens to advice is wise. You may assume that you're always right. You know, you may assume it. You may be one of those people that said, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. You know, well, you realize godly advice may come when you aren't even seeking godly advice. Moses' father-in-law gave Moses godly advice, being worn out from all of the, the work, you know, the administration he was doing and how he needed to get other people to be involved in it. But... A lot of times, God's advice comes when you're specifically dealing with the Lord. In this church, a regent from, a professor from Regent University came to me and he said that God had led him to tell me that he was not finished with me here. Now, I wasn't thinking about leaving. Don't misunderstand. But I do know that I needed that encouragement at that time that that guy told me he did not know me. And yet God appointed him to do this. God speaks to the spirit of people by the Holy Spirit. When we trust in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into us. The Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks uh, uh, to, uh, to us and leads us. It might be happening while we are praying. And it's sometimes that's what happens. I mean, and, and with the story of Barnabas and Saul, when they were set aside for the gospel, that's what happened. Acts 13, 2, it says, while they were serving the Lord and fasting, 
the Holy Spirit said, Set Barnabas and Saul apart for me, for the work to which I have called them. They didn't set them aside because they said, you know what? These guys are pretty good. They're kind of active in the church. I think we ought to set them aside and send them out to be missionaries. That's not what happened at all. What happened is the Holy Spirit spoke to them and they did it. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's just for preachers. It is not just for preachers. That there will be a, a, not only the setting aside, but a speaking of the Holy Spirit into people's, uh, into their own spirits. So that they know this is what they're supposed to do. These are the things that happen when people walk with the Lord. And so you want to live a life that is so close to God that you hear him. Exodus 33, 11a says, So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Now, I know you and I are not Moses. And, but God doesn't have a better than you system. You realize that? He didn't say, you're better than this one. God, I'm going to speak to you, but I'm not going to speak to that one. So I would say, let God speak and hear him. See, you can have prayers of faith. Now, I know that some of you are going to say, well, I do have a prayer of faith. What I do is, is that I always tack on the end of my prayers, not my will, but yours be done. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God reveals his will to you. And then you pray with him, join him in this and see what he's going to do. Would you pray with me now? Lord, I do pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.